Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Taylor Raglan, Brian Murphy, and Kendrick Johnson. That's right, we got four people at the round table for the first time, I guess, yeah, since we actually started doing the podcast on yeah, front of the video camera. Room, yeah. And they said they couldn't be done. I know, look at us breaking barriers, breaking new ground like this. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, for this episode of the podcast, we're kind of in the uh, we're kind of in that dog days of summer <laughs> mode here, as far as the high school sports calendar goes. So with um, I mean, high school football practices are right around the corner. I think we're going to actually start previewing our various districts and classifications next week. So just to kind of scrape through this last week, um, let's just kind of go off the beaten path with an idea that doesn't really it's not going to require us to break down any teams or athletes or any of the stuff that we normally talk about. You know, we're still going to stay true. To what this podcast is all about, talk some high school sports, except we're going to ask uh, one fairly simple question that's pretty broad, wide reach, you can go a bunch of different directions with this. What is something that you would change about high school sports? Whether you guys want to take a uh, you know kind of a more micro level view and just change up something with a specific sport, whether it's a more kind of a big picture thing, something more macro level, um, let's just open this up and see where it goes. We can have a little bit of fun with this one. So yeah, everybody's going to give uh, our ideas and we'll have a little bit of discussion off of it. And yeah, just see where uh, where this takes us. Uh, Kendrick, you just said you have two. So what is one of them? What is one thing that you would change about high school sports? I'll save my big one for last. But uh, my uh, my smaller one is by covering baseball this year. I don't understand how can you play a series like Boyd did all the way up to the state tournament and then it's one and done. Like can they do like they do in the college world series or even the little league world series? I think it's it's uh, you gotta it's two it's a double elimination. Mm-hmm. Not in the Texas high school baseball state tournament. It's one and done. Like I don't get that. So you went through all these series just to get there. And it's all of a sudden one and done. Well, it's funny because Boyd lost all their game ones. So then when they get to stay, it's like, all right, well, we're going to lose now. Because yeah. <laughs> if it's one we get, Taylor, yeah, Taylor, you can speak to this because I think yeah. you had done a little bit of research on this too, beforehand. People don't realize it's harder to get to the Little League World Series and win it than it is a Texas High School State title just because of all the tournaments and the double eliminations. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I did you know research as much as I you know I lived it in high school and and I thought about it then before I you know knew this is what I would (laughs) be doing with my life but I I thought about it back then it just doesn't make any sense to me that it's it's both ways and I I could see arguments for either side I could see arguments that you know for for kind of the health of the players and playing less games and and less stress on on arms just play one gamers all the way through like other sports do I don't think personally that's where I fall I would Mm -hmm. rather see them play series um, you know, all the way through, and then state championship be a series as well, because it wouldn't even be that hard of a fix, really, in my mind. You just play the state semifinals somewhere else. Yeah. You just have, 
you know, the same structures you do through, you know, the regional finals and just have teams meet up somewhere to play the state semifinals. And then the state tournament, you already use two fields. You could add another collegiate field in the Austin area if you needed to. Or you can do like they do it in the NCAAs, have like the four teams, and they play like the little, you yeah. know, you got to win two, double elimination. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah. super, like the super regionals and stuff for baseball? Yeah. I get, I'm yeah. Gal- yeah, it's, yeah, it's, oh, in, college, the, it's in college, it's a lot more complicated because you have regionals. What's the, one, what, what's the one to get to the super regional? That's how regional. they can do the state tournament. You have a regional yeah. tournament. That's why I don't watch college baseball. <laughs> and then once you get to the college world series, it's still double elimination with winners and losers. But even if you don't want to go that far, just have, okay, you know, all the way through the state semifinals, these are the teams that, are still playing and then you know those teams win you get you know whatever two six eight teams that go to state and you play a series if you treat it if, I you, mean, treat, it, if you treat it kind of like they do in football where like you get to the state semifinals but you still play that like you yeah. would any other round prior where the teams agree on a neutral site and whatnot Baseball and then have a regional the, tournament and, now and then the week after you play at the fixed location you play yep. in, in Dallas or in Houston or wherever the state championships and are like I held. said they they use um, Dishfog and and Dell Diamond now you could add in one more collegiate field in the Austin area mm-hmm. or, or yeah. wherever you want to hold it one more really nice field for you know say the the 1A and 2A a go here, three and four A go here, and then like you know, Delta Diamond has five and six. Very nice. Yeah, UMHB is a great field. I mean, that's not super far. I mean, there's there's tons of places that you could you could host it, and I just think that it's you know like you Kendrick. I think it's silly that it's it's different, I, and yeah. it, it needs to be one or the other. Like I said, I could see the UIL's yeah. argument for one gamers. I don't think that's right. I think baseball is unique and softball. Yeah. You know, obviously this applies to softball as well in that it's the only sport where series factor in in the way that they do and they do during the season as well for, for some districts especially. And the X factor that people all say that was the best team wins in baseball but you see who really can deal with pressure because Every time boy would, especially when they played the Woodlands yeah. and Cy Ranch, mm-hmm. when they was in game threes, them teams did not want to be there. Cy Ranch had no intentions on playing. When they got a no-hitter in game one, they had no intentions of playing in game three. The Woodlands, okay, we got this with the Woodlands. And they fell down 3-0. They just had that look like this ain't supposed to be happening. <laughs> Yeah. So, so you start seeing it how teams react with their backs against the wall. With all a, of good baseball and softball are unique in that pitchers can be so dominant mm-hmm. and if you go to a one game format forever especially at state it's like well you know you just have the stud like you just have the guy you've been forced to play series all the, all the way here but now the state title game is one game and it's like oh we have a you know a, a TCU commit and he's just going to mow everybody down and we're going to go win state mm-hmm. like it's not always that way but it, it kind of eliminates that factor like still you get your game one win or whatever but then you know there's more play to it than just like oh well we just have the better horse in game one and, and it's over it is interesting how this would have affected a team like McKinney Boyd because they're like the ultimate like case study in just like success in a one game series versus a three game series because if the playoffs were simply boiled down to you know who wins game one like they would have been out in the second Round and if it was just the best of three, they might have won the whole thing. It's yeah. <laughs> it is just crazy how like this is my second ride. Mm-hmm. I, I I covered Western One start in 2015. They did they lost every game one from game one all the way up really? and got to the and they got into the state championship game got beat by Argyle. Mm-hmm. It's just it's what makes baseball and softball unique, and I feel like you take that away at state. You know, like that yeah. should be the ultimate expression of like this is what's cool about this sport. And instead, you play one game. Like everything else, like it just doesn't it doesn't add up. So you guys had some uh, some amendments on how baseball should conduct its postseason. Um, where I landed on this for at least one of my suggestions was um, kind of uh, just doing some uh, you know, some aesthetics. Let's uh, alter things how uh, how they're conducted as far as soccer goes. 
um, you know, soccer. It's I don't think I've made any you know, bones about it on the podcast in you know, years past. I'm uh, I hate penalty kicks. I think that's a silly way to decide a high leverage sporting event when you have guys that have been out there just going just full bore for you know a hundred minutes or whatever. I mean, how long you know regulation <coughs> overtime are, and then you have to settle it on essentially. A, a glorified guessing game, like how many times your keeper guesses. There's skill to it, but but not as wow. much though. But it's <laughs> well, they do it in the World Cup though too. Yeah, and yeah. professional every professional soccer level they play, they do PK. And it's a it's a very archaic system that I think is so outdated. I think it's so outdated. So I think that what um you know what you can do here now you can still keep the penalty kick, but I think that there is a there's a nice balance between skill from the keeper versus the attacker, whether it's backing the uh, the penalty kick up five to ten yards or so. Um, um, I don't. I don't know. I just feel like as, as as it is right now with when you're kicking, what is it like? Twelve yards is the distance from mm-hmm. the penalty shot line to the uh, to the goalkeeper. I just feel like it's again. It's just there's too much guesswork that goes into it, and I feel like you should like that shouldn't even be a factor in deciding <laughs> the outcome of a, a, you know a, a playoff game or a state championship game. Which is, I mean, ironically enough, what happened this past year over in uh, in Class Six A with the boys. That's how Flyman won its state title by beating San Antonio Lee in a PK shootout. And I don't know. It just feels like after you've exerted as much as those guys have just not over the course of a game but through an entire season to have a state championship won or lost on a pen on a shootout as is the current structure it just seems a little like we can do a little bit better than that you know like i was i get the health concerns you know around why it's not even around anymore but i love the run out i was just was i was just about to say why not do dribble ups you know because then that takes more skill from the keeper takes more skill than just sh- shooting a stationary shot you know you got to dribble up you got to you know make a little move and then put the ball in the back of the net i i'd be for that where kids just getting too hurt it does, yeah it does feel like yeah that there's a high high risk of, of injury in there if there's a collision or whatnot it's and so I mean, entertaining just ligaments shattering left and it just seems like yeah i can see why they've done away with it but no, no i mean no lie like i think back to the first time I saw a run out covering a, a, a playoff match in high school soccer and it was like I wasn't even aware that was how they decided things I just know like it was so cool it was literally like a I don't know it's like just like the oncoming <laughs> the oncoming dynamic from the keeper and the uh, in the shooter just converging on one another it's just like your heart's racing like oh my god what's gonna happen what's gonna happen um, you know but with with the way it is now with just the standard PK from 12 yards out, I don't know I've just always felt like too much luck goes into it and I want to reduce that I would you know just kind of vaulting off that a little bit I'd, I'd like to see the golden goal maybe mm. implemented at some level um you know even if it's just in the postseason or, or whatever i think that may actually cut down on on penalty kicks because mm. how many times oh we still have you know somebody scores in overtime there's still another you know 15 minutes yeah. of game time to go try to, mm-hmm. to score again and tie it right back yeah. up and, and it happens it, like just make it you know that would add excitement that would make it you know it, it would make overtime i think a different beast because mm. teams would be forced to you know, adapt to that and play differently instead of playing for penalty kicks or playing for, you know, just, you know, oh, we have, you know, this 20-minute overtime period where, you know, it's it's more or less a, a mini-match. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that would be exciting as well. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but... Yeah, I, I hate that concept of parking the bus when you know that that other team is better than you and if you can get in overtime in that state tournament yeah. and then the other teams will park that bus, they'll put nine, eight, nine guys back there and it's just a week. We knew we could we got so, overtime, we could get a win. Exactly. I, I get that, and you know, and then maybe a golden goal would, you know, so it's what twenty for sure minutes, you know, uh, of extra time. Uh, if if there was golden goal, Wakeland girls, they wouldn't have won mm-hmm. state two years ago because they scored a miraculous goal to tie it back up to force the PKs yeah. in the second extra time. So I mean, some teams benefit it, some teams, you know, die by it. Uh, but golden goal definitely would be more interesting. 
For sure. If we are keeping shootouts, though, going forward, one thing that I think uh, you know can at least help in prepping teams for that is if um, so. Uh, I don't know if folks pay attention to this just from district to district, but there is no uniformity as far as how districts go about handling shootouts mm-hmm. during the regular season. If, all, if at all, if, if they even have them. And like so, yeah. I mean, the scoring systems from one district to the next can be completely different. Like District Nine Six Eight this past year, they account for wins, losses, and draws. So there is no overtime. If it's yeah. two two, same with Frisco, minutes, same with nine five A. But then you have a district like I believe it was Ten Six A, Devons Garland ISD district, where they just account for wins and losses. Um, so yeah, they play for shootouts mm-hmm. and whatnot, and it just goes down as a win or a loss. And then you had back in like 2016, um, 17 and 17, 18 with um, with the uh, District 14 5A. I mean, it was Lake Dallas yeah. and mm-hmm. Cross from McKinney North, the Colony, that district. And they did wins, shootout wins, losses, and ties. The 3 2 1 0 yep. system. And now a lot of those same schools in 8 5A have another completely different. You know, mm-hmm. set of rules. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the same schools, basically the same district, give or take a couple schools, and now it's completely Matt, different. Matt, three words: doing too much. Yeah, <laughs> they're doing too much. It's it just yeah. it, it feels like there can be a you know we can definitely get everybody on the same page and just figure out okay we're going to play by this system and whether yeah it is having you know shootouts or whatnot because I do think that you know for as much as I say about the uh, the guessing game that can kind of go into it there is something to be said for the teams that have been through that fire before during the regular season mm-hmm. and have had to compete in shootouts actually been faced with those pressure moments it's not like if you're just doing it in like in practice to get ready for mm-hmm. the playoffs like that's not the same as actually having an, a legitimate district match oh, no. rest on the uh, the outcome of a shootout so yeah you know what let's just uh, all come together as one and figure out okay are we doing shootouts for the regular season or not yeah it's a shame that you know this will probably never happen with I mean a lot of the changes that I thought about in, in prepping for this you know probably would never come about simply for health concerns I mean these are kids at the end of the day they're they're 15 Taylor has no regard for they're, they're 15 to 18 year olds as much as I would love to see in the soccer playoffs golden goal and just play until somebody scores that will never happen yeah. because they don't want kids out there for six hours you know playing you know period after period after period after period until somebody scores that that's not going to happen that's not going to be something that you can get to go over so a lot of these have to be taken with you know with that into account there are a lot of changes that i would make that i think would be fantastic that will never happen and rightly so because these are because these are kids i mean they're they're still developing they they can't they can't do the things that that professional or even collegiate athletes can do. What is, what is one that if health wasn't even a question that you had? Like, oh kind of I, I, I think I brought it up earlier, you know, off the air. I would like to see if baseball and softball postseason series are a thing. Um, you know, I'd like to see them played a little close together. Maybe mm-hmm. back-to-back days I think would be cool. I think it gives kind of that, that feeling of, you know, we're really playing a series. This mm-hmm. is being contested, you know, Thursday and Friday, you know, it, we're at our place on Thursday and, you know, we get a chance tomorrow night to go turn around and, and go um, either win or, or, or avenge ourselves or, or keep winning or whatever. But another thing that's never going to happen because you're not going to get the UIL to ever want to play games in consecutive days. And and like I said, rightly so, probably. They're kids. But and knowing what the weather's like around here yeah. this time of year, that probably yeah. wouldn't be. Okay, that's another thing that I just thought of. Why not play more soccer playoff games? In venues like the Star, or maybe even AT and T, or in prime, Houston, prime I know it's just example. soccer. I know that you know. Prime example: Last year when Boy got got screwed, basically they played in a fifty mile windstorm. Like I'm like, same with Lake Dallas. Yeah. I'm out in Odessa, like looking through sand. I can barely see. If they know. play, if they play their game inside the Star. Oh, they win nine out of nine times. It's not even close. Yeah, so maybe. And that team knows it too. The other team knew it too. Either either (laughs) don't start the season on New Year's when the weather is literally 
30 Freezing. degrees and terrible, and then you then you play those playoff games in March when the weather is is windy, and then there's thunderstorms every other second, and you have all these delays and lightning delays, and the wind is all nuts. How about start the season a little later, kind of get it closer with baseball and softball maybe, and play some of those games in venues like the Star. There should be no reason that those you know those those awesome facilities should not be hosting mm-hmm. you know big tournaments. Leads to my my big my biggest one with the I guess pet peeve with the UIL is that. <laughs> I'm pro Dallas. Grew up in the Dallas area, like, like all the teams: Frisco, Garland, McKinney, everybody. But in football, the Dallas teams have a huge advantage that they just go straight up to Jerry World. Well, some of them played three to four playoff games, Highland Park, and then they play the state championship there. <laughs> it's like that is not fair for a team like a Katy or if a Woodlands make a run or a Glendale Park North Shore that's a powerhouse. They have to come up here every year and I, I remember they had some staff through with the schedule two years ago and all the Dallas teams went to Houston and DFW got shut out in the big big school brackets what are the odds and Lo- Lone Star lost in 2015 when they had to play that's, the year, that's, a, that's the year that you're talking about yeah because I guess since, what is it, since 2006 the UILs decided mm-hmm. the site of the uh, of the state championship yeah, they've had games. two times in Houston and both times are the two times that DFW got shut out in 6A I I, th- I know in 2015 it happened. They, it was in 2008, pre- previous to that, and that's actually where Allen, Allen and Prosser won state titles that year down in Houston. So I thought just Prosser, so Allen won that year. Yeah, Allen won in 2008 okay. when it was in Houston. I thought Prosser, yeah. I thought they won one, and they beat Fort Bend Hightower, ironically enough, a, a Houston team. But um, but Ooh. no, yeah, it's because I was there for that. Uh, yeah, for that year, um, in 2015 when you had like what's Salina and mm-hmm. uh, and um, I mean, you just said well, Sal- Salina would have won if Argyle uh, was down there. They lost to Waco La Vega. Well, Solano would have probably won if their quarterback didn't break his arm. Mm-hmm. But because in the day they have your high school kids and they're not used to traveling that much a distance yeah. and the hotels and all that stuff, yeah. it's a big deal when you're 17 years yeah. old. Why, why not? You just go from like you're in Allen or you're at uh, Duncanville, you just get in your bus and you driving straight into Jerry like you've been doing for two or three weeks. When was the last time the football state championship games weren't at NRG or AT&T? Whew, I think Texas, State, Texas Stadium was the last one. But that's Texas, okay. Texas, yeah, Texas yeah. Stadium to Alamo, though. Well, another thing I don't understand mm-hmm. is if you want to do the Austin bit, UIL, y'all love Austin. That's your headquarters. Mm-hmm. That's the second biggest stadium in the state. <laughs> you can't do it at, at DKR. Mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. It's they just because it's outdoors. They, they, that's another thing. You, you're adding on to my thing. Mm-hmm. First, they said DKR because they had the grass. UT didn't want the facility messed up the grass. Now they got the filter. They can't use that excuse no more. And then what's this thing that you can play in a monsoon? I've covered two teams that's had that in the state semifinals. And then you show up to the championship, it's got to be immaculate conditions. We talk about it's macro for football. What about, about soccer? soccer? Yeah, exactly. So if that's a big deal, how come it's not your cost? Because I've heard they want to make sure everything's fair for everybody. So it's only fair in football or what? So that's what they lead to more questions. That's a fair question for sure. Yeah. Where do you stand on so like if you're um, if you're thinking they should alternate the venue for football, what about for like basketball or volleyball or? Basketball would be cool if it was just in Austin. Mm-hmm. I think they could get away with that because the uh, the, uh, the Aaron Center they about to upgrade and stuff. They want to get a new one, I think, or new, a new uh, UT basketball stadium. But um, did they originally move it to San Antonio just because of the scheduling conflict? With the like, conflict, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But I, I think they uh, the they can rotate that one and get away with it because now that Dallas has came, like, because that because it used to be the flip. Mm-hmm. Houston was always good in basketball, Dallas in football. But now as we see our Dallas teams be showing up and showing out, so them playing, they can play at the Airline Center for a weekend or play at Toyota Center for a weekend and be done, or even put it at AT and T and you get an NBA. Well, playing at the American Airlines Center would be tricky because then you have stars oh, and Mavs yeah. going yeah. on at the same time. But yeah, that would be awesome. It was at the Airline Center for the longest time but because of the schedule conflicting with South by Southwest and just the crowds around there, I believe mm. that's one of the reasons why they had to move it elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, it's been in San Antonio for the past, what, three, four years yeah. or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Um, all right, let me get to one more of a, one more of mine. Let's see. Speaking of, like, venues, okay, yeah, so we've talked about kind of alternating venues. Uh, Justin Thomas, you know, uh, rest in peace, Justin Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, just in one of the one of the pieces that he wrote about before he, uh, you know, before he went to work at uh, Avid Golfer and whatnot, he uh, and it was it didn't even dawn on me at this point, but then he was, you know, he was doing some coverage for the uh, following the state golf tournament, and I'm um, just kind of thinking like, okay, so. It, for years, like a lot of the UIL state golf tournaments have been fixated around the Austin area, you know, and you know, then you think of a sport like cross country that's been in Round Rock at Old Settlers Park, you know, whereas you can debate the merits of how much home field or home court advantage matters because ultimately the playing surfaces are exactly the same. That's not the case in state golf or in state cross country because I mean, like it does matter like how Especially much golf. Yeah, how much experience Especially you have golf. playing a, playing a certain golf course or whatnot. And you know, there was kind of the belief among some of the coaches that Justin talked to that perhaps the Austin area schools had a bit of a, a built-in advantage because of, you know, having played those courses down mm-hmm. at, uh, at the state tournament, you know, far more frequently throughout the regular season. Well, yeah, it, not even just the regular season. It's like you can't regulate where these kids go play golf. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if it's a public course, especially if it's a public course, which off the top of my head, I don't know what Legacy Hills, you know, where Golf State mm-hmm. was this year requires to go play it. But let's just say the obstacles aren't there you can go play that course probably as much as you want whereas you know it's it's a it's a topic that hits close to home for Plano West this year because the Plano West girls team um, was was unbelievable and they lose to Austin Westlake which granted Westlake really really good really veteran um, you know girls that have been to state for three plus years basically up and down the squad so not taking anything away from that program but Plano West was so dominant and if that if that you know that competition is held at any course up here where they had the same amount of time to kind of prepare um you know and play the course familiarize themselves because aside from maybe one practice event you know one prep event those girls have never seen that course and so it's just not especially in a sport like golf where the course you're playing and how to approach it and you know how to how to play every hole and everything is so important to being successful it's it's unbelievable that you know it's it never moves it's just it's crazy because you know like i said plano west i don't want to make the argument that they would have won state this year but you know they're runner up mm-hmm. and uh, have a roster full of girls that that was the first time they'd ever been there so you can imagine if they played it 10 times before the event i mean it's 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 just a weird it's a weird dynamic for sure and it's not like the uh, the metroplex is lacking in quality golf courses yeah. that are capable of accommodating <laughs> of it, like the uh, like the state tournament especially with the, you think uh, taylor because you on the golf so you think once the first goals courses get built that they start doing that because they must have majors and stuff in frisco they could, mm-hmm. man. The i mean years. the only thing i think that would the pros can play that, there they can play there right well <laughs> i think that would be the complication is that if it's the you know, kind of the official home of, of Dallas's PGA scene, and, and they're going to have professional tournaments there and stuff. Are they really going to let? I mean, 
that all these tournaments happen and, and have all these kids? I think so. <laughs> I, it just depends on the dynamics of the course and, and who, you know, as far as the public can play it and, and all that. I, I That may raise more complications than, than it helps. But it doesn't mean that there's not already courses up here that exist. I mean, the one in Prosper, I, I don't think the UIL would ever go to Prosper, but the one where they play 968 District is a fantastic golf course. There's so many, there's so many good golf courses up here that, I I I've never been to Legacy Hills, but as far as what I've seen, it, it they're easily comparable. It's not that you have to play it at Legacy Hills. This isn't a venue-related uh, you know conundrum, but um, it's always uh, I've always found it odd that like the structure of the spring tennis postseason has the district tournament take place, and then two weeks later you have regionals, and then one month later is when state takes place. Because hmm. we can trim that in half and make it just for the sake of consistency. <laughs> it's like we can do something yeah. about that. Because I, mean, I mean, yeah, the coaches that I've talked to are just are very confused as to how that's you know that's still a thing. I and mean, I mean, if you're a player and you just qualified for state, imagine having to wait one month before you can next play, you know, at least in UIL competition, now they're staying, you know, they're staying active in the meantime with, you know, with U, uh, you know, UTSA and stuff like that. But, um, you think UIL? USTA. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now let's get back to the podcast. Brian, I know one that you wanted to discuss is another issue that has been kind of at the heartbeat of high school basketball season as far as some, uh, whether or not it's a change that is overdue, but um, the shot clock. Man, there needs to be some sort of shot clock. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not 24 seconds like the NBA, but yeah, go back to what college had a few years ago, a 35-second shot clock. Maybe not even that. If you want to just, yeah, 45. I'd be okay with that because there was a time, it was Salina, I believe they were playing Melissa Mm -hmm. two years ago, and I kid you not, Almost two minutes went by where they just held the ball, <laughs> and no one even came remotely close to playing any sort of defense. Yeah. Uh, that happened and in the McKinney North game. I saw it happen four times this year. Four times. That's one time too many. Your microphone's it, giving you fits over there, Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's the problem too with basketball because isn't there a rule in place uh, that where you know if you're being defended, mm-hmm. you know things. Yeah, happen, so it's things a five. It's a five moving. second rule. If yeah. you're close enough to the defender or to the ball handler. But if you're gonna try to, that seems like. Putting Band-Aid on a problem that oh could for sure easily be because because then if you have a really solved. quick point guard then you just kind of dribble up make a little move and then dribble back out and the five seconds starts over again and that happens every mm-hmm. single game especially, especially when playoffs. oh especially during playoffs especially when a team has that you know 10 12 point lead it's like all right seems like an overcomplicated complicated solution to a pretty and eight uh, eight schools or eight states already have a shot clock including you know big powerhouse states like California and New York hell even South Dakota and North Dakota have a shot clock I was kind of surprised to see that when I looked it up. Yeah. Why can't Texas do that? Me, me and Matt both played. We needed it back 20 years ago. Hey, you can score more points. <laughs> I, I played I play junior varsity. Don't, don't discredit <laughs> me. Athletes are good enough, too. I mean, if you, yeah. if you want to make any sort of argument about that, that it would change, I don't know. I mean, the athletes in, in high school today are, are so much more prepared than they ever have been for the next level. Like, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I don't understand why high school sports, there's several arenas, but... This is one in particular where it's like, well, you have to do it when you go to college. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you have any designs on playing at the next level, like it's a big, it's it's a like, big change. Guess what? Sure. There's a shot clock. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like I don't think you're adequately preparing these kids no. for. It's for a skill to be able to have the ball three seconds. No, you got to shoot in a spot you're not used to mm-hmm. and timing. It's a lot of stuff that 
you'd think it'd help them be better offensive players. You know, knowing the okay, we got to work on this. Shot clock's running down. We got to do this. You got to have this play and, and more repertoire and more possessions. You get more chance to score, and it just doesn't make sense why they haven't implemented something. You know, I think of the times when I've seen like teams take advantage of there not being a shot clock, and the most recent example was probably um, a couple years ago in the regional finals when Allen beat Denton Geyer. Yes, <laughs> and, I remember uh, this. In that way, it wasn't like Allen just like standing at half court and holding the ball and not doing anything. They were working the ball around the perimeter. They were just waiting a while before That's they actually generated a shot. It's because I I don't know like I think of like watching a game like that and I think it happened with um, I mean it's happened a bunch I'm sure but I'm thinking of times specifically like within my markets um, back when Marcus had its its super team of Marcus Smart and Phil Forte and Nick Bander when that team was winning its state championships they were in the same district as Plano West and I believe Plano West employed a similar tactic <laughs> in a district game against them that I want to say like went like three or four overtime. On the final school, why like, wouldn't you? It was like forty-one to thirty-eight. Or something like, like that. He, he sounds like Coach Daryl Craft. Shout out to Coach Craft, McKinney North basketball coach. He's been doing it for years. So there's a legendary game that they they had. They were definitely out numbered in height. They had like one six footer. The other school had like three. It was a Frisco school, and they held the air out the ball and won twenty-two to eighteen in the playoff game. Why wouldn't <laughs> you? I don't blame. I don't blame the coaches. I will say that because know. it's it's the rules as they're written, and if you think that that's the best way for you to match up with a team you know that's well within your rights as a coach to 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 play that way i don't i don't blame them at all but i think the option should be taken out of their hands like i get why allen did it you know two years ago i mean they played guy twice in the regular season didn't win either either time their style just didn't match up well against guys they said you know what skirt let's just do something that's completely against what we do and just see how they reacted i'm not gonna lie it made for some really captivating theater because guy guy was totally (laughs) flustered by it and allen ends up winning the game part because guy just didn't know like how to handle that and not being able to get the kind of shots and transition chances they normally get that was more of the fact of the underdog story not 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 that because the style of play was exciting. It was like, oh my gosh, is Alan really going to do this? This it's, is so cool. And I think, yeah, because that, well, that's like when you do see it, though, it is instances like that, mm-hmm. though, when you have a team that is a decided underdog against another mm-hmm. team and just trying to level the playing field. So, yeah, I get it in the one sense that, yeah, you know what, let's just keep things on an even playing field and, like, okay, may the better team win. But nevertheless, I mean, I'm not going to, like, in the moment, though, maybe it just if it comes out in a playoff game, it just resonates that much more. But just, like, I don't know, seeing the number one team in the state on the ropes just because of, like, so, because of that tactic was a, uh, I don't know, just made for some pretty compelling theater. So say there was a 35 second shot clock. Does Allen have any chance of winning that game? No. No. I mean they got I, I watched the game prior when they got run out of the gym by like 25 or whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair. Guy was the, Guy was the better team. Yeah, Guy was the best transition offense maybe in the state that season. And yeah, yeah like Allen was a really Allen was maybe top 5 transition offense, but Guy was just on another level and their size was just too much. So yeah, I get why they went against the green, but yeah, I mean if you play things they have four dudes, six four taller that can go dunk on you. I'll run you and embarrass you. Yeah. I saw them play against me. Yeah, I mean, if you play things straight up and play the exact same kind of game that happened in the regular season, you know, maybe you don't get the exact same score, you don't get the exact same performances, but, you know, that's that type of game was much better suited for Geyer. So I get why, you know, Allen had to switch well, things up. Well, those dudes went D1, day. For Geyer? Yeah. Um, well, one of them's still there. Jacoby Coles is still there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, Grayson Carter, Davion Harmon, Jalen Wilson. Oh, yeah, I mean, these were like, that's Oklahoma, and Jalen Wilson's going to Kansas. Kansas. We're going to see them go against so each so other. you got to compete with all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see why teams might decide, like, hey, you know what, let's just try something completely different. 
It's still such a beating to watch. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's see. Are there, uh, let's see. Are there any others that I wanted to bring to the table? Oh yeah, this one has no chance of happening. But you know what? Why not? Why not bring it to the table? You know what? I like how baseball and softball implement the run rule. How you know after <laughs> after five innings, if a team is up by ten runs or more, then you know what? We've seen enough. We're calling it a game. And, um, and, and what if it's like if it's what fifteen runs if after three innings and whatnot? Mm-hmm. So you know what? Let's take that concept and apply it. Across football, let's apply it to basketball. Let's apply it to soccer. And you know what? Like if you're like in football, if you're up, I uh, I don't know what 35, 42 points after three quarters, whatever margin is deemed the equivalent of like okay, like you know crazy comebacks happen plenty of times, but like where it's pretty much insurmountable, there's no need to play these next 12 minutes, and we can just kind of go on with our with our days. It's an interesting dynamic, <laughs> especially football, because in theory. You're, you know, you're preserving the health of these kids and and cutting down on injuries and making sure, you know, kids that don't play a lot are, you know, coming out there in garbage time and get a concussion or whatever. But But in practice, in practice, it's never going to happen. You're never going to. I could see it even with other sports. You know, I could see other sports adopting some sort of some sort of mercy rule akin to, to baseball and softball, but football. No shot. No. There is no way you're convincing the Texas high school football community to play less than four quarters. Oh, yeah, without Ever. question. Ever. And Kendrick brought up a good point before we came on. You know, people care about the stats in yeah. football more so than in baseball and softball and whatever else. So in football, it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my streak of 100 yards yeah. receiving yeah. or 200 yards throwing. Or you or, might be a freshman and you get like 300 yards, but when you try to break an all time record, true. I saw with Magnetic, you need those 300 yards when you're. A but that game was competitive, like, though. That's yeah. different. That's that game thing, was yeah. awesome. That game was never in danger yeah. of being. No, 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 I'm not talking about the, the game. I'm talking about for its career, yeah. career, career stat wise. How many times are they ever up by like 42 points, though? That'd be uh, the question. <laughs> and if you're about, well, it's, only, it's, it's, like the, it's like the Allens and stuff. Yeah, well, the only pe- people that would actually affect if the, we did the 42 point run rule or point rule, whatever you want to call it, would be that kid, that senior that's been on var- that's you know his first year on varsity. He's been on JV as a junior, and, and, and he doesn't get to play. Sure, there are ways to guard against that. Like if you're up by 28 points, you know midway through the third, or early in the third quarter, whatever, you can start funneling in your backups. Then you don't just have to do sure. it in the fourth well, quarter. Do the running clock. Mm-hmm. Yes, running clock. Yes, oh, that, would be, the, yeah, yeah. that would be. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's a solution that may actually yeah, yeah. work. I think that would get so <laughs> much like, traction. It just makes so much more sense yeah, than yeah. than mm-hmm. trying to convince people that we should shorten games because yeah, yeah. you're shortening games without making it feel like it is. Like let's yeah, just yeah. Like, I can't more. tell you how much I hate it when it's like a thirty point game in the fourth quarter and they're, they're not only are they calling a timeout or this and that or first down or yeah. goes he goes out of bounds and they stop the clock. I'm like I'm literally like why it's such a waste of time right now. My gamer's already pretty much done. I'm like we could get this show on the road. This game is over. What if you kept running clocks in like an instrument, like implement like the basketball or something like that? Where if it's the if the you like, know, a, like a rec league basketball one team's up by like yeah like forty po- like thirty five forty points or whatnot, and then the second half yeah then once it hits the forty point mark okay we're running clock the rest what's of what's a better idea running clock in basketball or a shot clock in basketball. Shot clock. Shot clock. Shot yeah. Clock. Oh, yeah, shot, yeah. Shot clock. I think the running clock in basketball would be just another band aid like what Taylor was talking about. Yeah, no, I like I. Uh, I think I've seen the running clock implemented maybe once or twice, um, but just covering Prestonwood in the playoffs, mm-hmm. their first round matchup. Often they win that by you know by six, seven touchdowns, and a couple times, yeah, they've gone to the running clock in the second half, and it does make a world of difference. And it would solve the idea of making sure that everybody can still get to play, albeit for not as much time, but still, yeah. that's like a nice middle ground. Trying to get on that field, though. Those games are long <laughs> enough as is, so yeah, I'm I'm fine with shortening high school football games if we can find a way to. Um, and then let's see. I don't know. Did you guys? Were there any other ideas? 
because I had one more on my list, but I don't. I mean, there was the kind of the big one that's so obvious. I didn't even you know feel like I should bring it up, but there has to be a six A Division one or two or a seven A or something. I mean, it's 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 coming. I feel like it's I feel like it's coming down the line because they just did it with five A and every especially football every football classification except six A has a one and two. Well, how they gonna do it? Because they 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 keep talking about to me a lot of the schools that have that are big. Like Allen, them they they got money, but then you got like Glenpa North Shore. My wife went there, but shout out to North Shore and my father in built that program. But they're in the city, so they don't have the money mm-hmm. to be able to travel to the Woodlands, who they right. have to travel to, and for a district game, yeah, right, and all that. So that's when you kind of right. get it mixed up. Like as we know, with that crazy, when my man Devin was here with the um, McKinney North and the Potis, and them traveling to Texarkana and Tyler and all that stuff. So you're gonna get some of that outside of the uh, Metroplex. Mm-hmm. It'd be a question of, I guess, where, like, if you've, if anybody's looked through the UIL numbers and where you draw that cutoff mm-hmm. and what the theoretical districts would look like as far as... It's hard, too, because there's I, so I, many outliers. Duggerville, Southlake, and Allen be the same district every year. Because the, the mm-hmm. 6A enrollment cutoff, I think, is it's essentially like 2200. It's like 2190 or I thought something. 23. But then it goes all the way up to... You know, Allen's got 6,000 kids. Mm -hmm. So how do you, I mean, (laughs) the the cutoff in the midpoint, I mean, a good one would probably be, I mean, at the top end, the majority of schools have about 4,000, really. There's like 15 schools, I think, that have 4,000 or more, and then a bunch, like, between, like, 3,700 and 3,900 or whatever. So you could cut it at, like, 28 or 29, maybe, or at at 3 even, but I don't know what the numbers would be. But I think the travel is definitely the the biggest obstacle. Me and Murphy just, but to me that that highlights like what you have to do to build a program like Prosper mm-hmm. and McKinney's. There's no reason they should have to play those yeah. play those at Alice every year. They've overcame them, but when you look yeah, at yeah. the numbers, it's like. It saves teams at the 5A level like Lake Dallas. We've gone into detail in, uh, on the podcast yeah. a million times about how small Lake Dallas is in comparison. If they couldn't be Division Two in football, I'm not saying they wouldn't be you know, competitive. I but think you're, they still you're would be, you're but, out. but that's just not fair when they're barely a 5A school. Mm. Barely. So it, it's, I don't know, it's tough. It does feel like it's coming. Like you said, there's already been some discussion about like the ramifications of a 7A or a 6A Division Two, and it does feel like and at some point, though, with the I mean, with UIL recently implementing that for football, that the next domino to fall would theoretically be doing the same thing. For and then the forces like on the other end, like you said about Lake Dallas, the other end is, is Highland Park. Mm-hmm. Matt knows this, and since we've been to high school, Highland Park has always been like the not the top one, and, and they'd be like two people away. It's always one of it's the like funny the, like mm-hmm. real life <laughs> subplots. They, How close, close is Highland Park going to be to the cutoff this year? Yeah. And then, and the one time they, 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 the numbers changed on them, and they got put up to five A. I mean six A. Mm-hmm. It was five A when we were in school. They didn't make the playoffs for two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. One last thing before we get out of here. This doesn't. I mean, there's nothing like that. The UIL or anybody could do anything about this. This is just like for just us media folks and whatnot. Um, uniformity for all all district lists. Oh, we're not yes. attacking the UIL, but we're attacking district coaches. Right? I have like we got a bone politics. <laughs> the first column that I wrote when I was at the paper a long time ago was in. Uh, in praise, actually, of the all-district list. I want to say it was the uh, 8-5-A baseball or something like that, but it was a list that actually looked like something that you might see as far as, like, okay, we had, you know, just a, like, 
what nine people on the first year like there was like 12 people or so on the first team 12 on the second team actually like something that closely approximated like an actual like okay here were the four best infielders mm-hmm. here were the three best outfielders and, and so forth um, but yeah just all district list period and I think you guys are all in we're all in agreement that there's just way too many freaking kids yep. rec- uh, you know that you know, get a spot on those lists and like it just like I think back to uh, you know 2016, I was compiling the list for uh, District 14-5A. That list had between the superlatives, the first team, and the second team, 110 kids. So if you played, you got somewhere on the list. And if you include honorable mentions, that number bumped up to 172. Uh, so if you went to the idea, okay, so this was an eight-team district, and this is football, so between offense and defense, there's a total of 22 kids. 22 times 8 is 176. There were 172 kids that were put on the audition. Imagine being those four kids that didn't. (laughs) People, everybody don't get a trophy. If you can ball, you don't get recognized. If you can't, you won't. Yes, like, and that's again, like I want to say that's what we do with the all area. Like when we started doing all of our all area teams, you know, it's it's eleven on offense for football, it's eleven on defense. You know what? And you know, if you're one of those districts that has like that really implements like the fullback or the tight end, or just one mm-hmm. of those positions that maybe doesn't get enough love in another district, then then fine with like a flex position or something like that. So, no, they'll throw in tight end of the year and first team tight end, first team H back, first team fullback, first team running back. It's like okay. I There's a somebody, running back, and that's it. I can give somebody tight end of the year because it's like, like you said, like depending on what. But offense. the H back, the running back, fullback, that's overkill. I think the matter. reason that we get so heated about this topic too is especially now that you know we've started doing the all area teams. Like we do it, yeah. you know, we make really, you really make tough, tough decisions on you know which kid is going to get this spot, whether it be a superlative, first team, second team, flex, whatever, and some really, really good athletes. Don't make the list. I think after, I mean, after it's we, part of it. When we finish compiling the list and look over some of the kids that we had to leave off, it's like I cannot believe. I cannot that. believe you're not on this Seriously. team somewhere. But guess but what? Like, there's a lot of really good yeah. athletes and a lot of really good teams in the Dallas area. And and, and, and being healthy is the, is the key. You could be all world going to Alabama in football, but if you miss three games, you can't be a superlative. Sorry. And it's what you did. I think a lot of the problem with all district lists that it's I. It's also find, what you what you do what in the you game. Did, this year yeah. like maybe you're going to yeah, exactly Oklahoma to play football but what did you do this year you know in high school I mean and, and that doesn't mean that you're not you know an elite football player but were your numbers and your impact really better than X Y and Z yeah, like it's supposed to be something that like outlines okay these are the absolute best most impactful players over the course of a season and just like ultimately is it's a case of diminishing returns where like how much did it really mean like mm-hmm. you may have deserved your spot 100% but if everybody else with a with a pulse and a little bit of playing time was already you know is on the list with you then I mean ultimately it kind of waters down what it should truly mean to make one of those teams it's a big deal to make all district and there's some districts all all district lists that have so many different superlatives that I've never heard like yeah. there's a new one each year that I, I haven't heard of and then they'll be of like okay a 2A player of the year great but don't have two or three 2A yeah. player of the years don't have three no more, no more three no more newcomers of the year like the, the in 96A the three co-MVPs was pushing it but I get it in a sense because it's three All-Americans mm-hmm. but know, that's that kind of goes that, back to my point it's but like, we have to pick yeah. but we had to pick Somebody an MVP did. we had to pick a, a the person to finish second and third and yeah, so if the, if the coaches vote on a tie just be adults and figure out a winner that's <laughs> it <laughs> we had to do it yeah. so they can do does it does that mean like Naya or Jordan or Jaden either one of them is more talented than another but no, no. I think 
Jordan Oliver clearly had the best year out of the three. And she was more important like, to her team I, also. I don't think it was I close. think Jordan Oliver had the better year. Jaden uh, Owen was is the better player. While the but she missed four games. she missed four games. Mm-hmm. You can't, and you her team didn't make the playoffs. Not, we're not even talking about MVP. You shouldn't be able to get a superlative mm-hmm. if you miss a lot. For example, I told you how good my man Jack Hagan was. <laughs> man, he should have been on the all-district team, but he shouldn't have got a superlative, which he didn't. But he didn't play none. Even though he had the talent, he missed so much time because mm-hmm. of his arm. But... You gotta be, gotta be, gotta be. Availability is part of it. If I was the, if I was the all district czar, yes. There's a fixed number of superlatives across all sports, and yes, you cannot have multiple people winning a superlative. It's got to be one person. Got to make sure the best players are accounted for. And I'll, I'll never forget Luke Johnson not being on the all district list. I, did we check that I you, many I times, you, right? Like. Boy. The Luke Johnson with Prosper. The no, that's right. Your, your boy, you went, you went article that went viral. That's right, RJ. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I told myself I was going to let that one go. Uh, hey, props to 85A. At least they did MVP, Offensive Player of the Year. They didn't go the easy route. Yeah, give two cl- I'll, I'll give them that. But I'm, I'm done talking <laughs> well, about that thing, forever. Like, you can make the wrong choice, but just make a choice. Yeah. Like, I'd respect that more yeah. than just handing out a three-way trophy. Oh. <sighs> Well, you it. you get MVP. You get MVP. You get MVP. Uh, and two offensive player of the years, four <laughs> newcomers. It's like okay. So yeah, it's kind of constricting just the uh, the qualifications for making an all district list. So I don't know. Do we have any other ideas, or have we pretty much uh, run the well dry on this one? I think that's enough. Sounds like that's enough. Yeah. Okay, I mean, we yeah, beat I don't this know. one to death. We probably have more, <laughs> but that's probably enough. The odds of any of this stuff coming to fruition, it's next to none. But nevertheless, hey, you know what? Nice, uh, nice subject to fill a podcast for. So, um, yeah, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to uh, continue another uh, installment of our ongoing summer question series. Appreciate you guys for tagging along. In the meantime, folks, you keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.